This podcast is brought to you by Story King Books. Sign up now and get a free copy of my latest ebook, Launch Your Podcast Like a Pro. The link will be in the show notes. And now for today's episode. Welcome to the Story King Podcast, the show featuring inspirational conversations about the art and business of storytelling and living life. I'm your host, John Carlo, and today's guest is poet, magician, musician, artist, writer, pastor, and my friend, Mundaka Lee. I've known Mundaka for well over two decades now. He has always been someone I've not only looked up to, but I've been fascinated and surprised by. He never ceases to amaze. I'm very excited to have this conversation with him. I think you folks are in for a real treat today. Here is my conversation with Mundaka Lee. Mundaka Lee, welcome to the Story King podcast. Hey, thank you, Giancarlo. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, Moon, you've lived a very rich life. You've had a lot of experiences. You have a lot of varied artistic talents that I've always been impressed by. You play several instruments. You're a talented poet. I, I want to hear the story, though, of your early years. Can you, you can start by telling us how you first got into magic, for example. How old were you? What drew you to that? And what kind of life did Mundaka have as a child? <laughs> well, uh, Mundaka had a very strange life as a child. He did not know how strange it was because he had no real basis for comparison. But, um, <laughs> and I'll begin to speak to myself or about myself rather in the first person now, because otherwise I'll get confused and I won't remember who it is that I am or what it was I was going to be. But that's irrelevant because we're here now. So <laughs> starting from here now and looking back at there then, I, I was very uh, uncomfortable in my body, in my existence. Uh, I remember from as early as three years old, laying in bed awake almost all night, you know, thinking about where are we? How did I get here? Uh, why am I here? I know that there are people that came before, like my grandfather and, and others that have gone where are they now? Can they see me? You know, anybody out there? Hello? You know, I would go out and ask my parents, you know, I'd have these recurring nightmares of being like sucked into a black hole uh, and uh, saying, no, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. You know, and, uh, and I'd run out into the living room and I'd say, I, I don't want to die. And my mother would say, you're three. <laughs> And I'm like, but I don't want to die. And she goes, but it won't happen for a long time. I said, but it is going to happen. And I don't want it to happen. Who is God? Who is Jesus? What is going on here? And they, they just didn't know how to respond to me. You know, I, I didn't get a satisfactory answer. You know, as I was growing up, my little brother started getting older. We started playing together. You know, like we'd pretend we were in the time tunnel, you know, floating through space and time, visiting different places. And we, uh, you know, we, we had a great time traveling with the Peace Corps uh, early on and, and the mm -hmm. Army even before that. Uh, 
Uh, and um, in, it was around maybe uh, maybe five years old in Puerto Rico. We went to some people's house. And while my parents were hanging out with their friends, I was hanging out you know, with their son. And he started doing all of these magical effects with different objects, you know, coins and cards and balls and stuff, you know, and it was just blowing my mind. And he ended up explaining how one of those things was done. And I can't remember even what it was, but I just became aware of the fact that, wow, I saw one thing but something completely different was going on. And that's what really impressed me. And then when we came back to the States in the uh, mid sixties, you know, uh, and that's when those shows, Star Trek, Time Tunnel started coming on. And I, I, I started thinking about the fact that, you know, we were all made up of atoms and molecules and that there was, actually far more empty space between the bits of matter than there were, you know, than there was solid matter. Mm -hmm. And, and so I'm saying to myself, well, how is it that everything looks so solid to me? How come I can't push my hand through the wall? You know, what's up with that? I know it's just space, you know? So then I started trying to think about Okay, well, the flash can do it. How can he? It's vibration. You have to vibrate at just the right rate of speed, you know, to to become synchronous with the wall. And then, you know, you can sort of, you know, jimmy in and out, you know, until you get to the other side. You know, I was thinking about invisibility rays, uh, you know, because I was watching Gigantor and Speed Racer, these cartoons, you know, and there were rays of all kinds. And I started thinking, well, how would that work? You know, and then I thought, well, light is supposed to be able to bend. So if you could create a field that would bend the light around it so that every point on one side of the thing you're trying to hide would be reflected to its exact correct position on the other side, then it would, it, you, you, for all intents and purposes, you'd be looking right through the thing. So this is the kind of things I was thinking of, at, you know, six, seven, eight years old. Then I started asking my parents about magic. I said, I want to learn magic, you know, because I thought if I can understand how those illusions work, maybe, maybe this all would make sense. So they got me a Mr. Trico magic set. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and you know it had all of these you know this whole little show packaged in with these little plastic props and stuff and i learned them all and i put on a show for my parents in our living room <laughs> in the archway between the living room and the dining room so here i am 63 years old and i'm still you know stuck to that archway in my mind yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway uh so that was that was how i started and then when we, then we moved out to the South Pacific, and I was very plugged into all of the different uh, spiritual pathways that were 
dissecting one another out there, Shintoism, Buddhism, mm. Christianity, mm -hmm. uh, Judaism, I mean, all of this, plus the local island myths and legends. And so it was, it was a time when I was really just thinking about the spiritual realm. And I wasn't, I wasn't really focused in, in my, my physical being very much at all. And I started reading comic books, you know, all the Marvel comics. I had all the original Spider-Man, you know, Superman, Batman, my favorite, Doctor Strange. You know, oh, that's my favorite these... too. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Doc. Yeah. The doc he's amazing. <laughs> I didn't mean to interrupt your, your flow of no, thought, but <laughs> don't go interrupt away, man. I, I'm, I'm as interested in you as you are in me, maybe more. <laughs> well, you know, there's a lot to unpack. So I, I'm just curious. You said with the Army and Peace Corps, did you mean your parents or when you got older, you joined that or? Yeah, yeah, that was my parents. My father was uh, 20 years in the military mm. and my mother, uh, who graduated from Howard University with a librarian's degree and worked for the Library of Congress, then went over to Japan uh, and was uh, a librarian organizing um, their facilities for the occupational forces in Japan. That's where my mother and father met. Mm. And then they came back to the States. My father went to Germany. We went to Fort Knox. We went to Washington, D.C., you know, uh, in the first year or two of my life. And then my brother was born in D.C. in 62. And then we moved out to Puerto Rico with the Peace Corps. With the Peace so Corps. had finished his army, 20-year army thing at that point. Okay. So, so he was like retired on a pension after 20 years and then like kind of joined the Peace Corps after that? Yeah. And he, he, well, I don't know if he was taking a pension at that point, but uh, he, he was a uh, retired. He started out in the segregated cavalry uh, patrolling the border, you know, hmm. the southern borders. And then the army became integrated as he was coming along in his career. And he ended up being a tank commander uh in uh the uh korean conflict crossing the river han and all of that he's quite an amazing guy wow and so when he finished uh his service with the military he wanted to do something other service uh related and he was very good at logistics uh and so they uh, confiscated him for uh director actually of the peace corps uh operations in puerto rico which was the initial kickoff of that whole hmm. thing uh, if you don't mind me asking, what ethnicity are you, Mundaka? That's a good question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you name it, <laughs> and it's probably in there. African-American, uh, Ashkenazi, uh, Jewish, French, German, Portuguese, Native American. Um, it's A lot yeah. of stuff. Well, you said segregated army. So was your father was your father black then? And yeah, yeah. Okay. My father was black then, and he ended up being black for the rest of his life. Actually, <laughs> I didn't mean to word it like that. <laughs> no, I'm just oh, come on, man. You know, just, I just can't let it go. I could let it go, but I just don't want to. You know, all these years, you know, so yeah. no self control. <laughs> well, we. I, I find we have some kindred spirits. I, I remember me, my first existential crisis was when I was six years old and it was a mm. little different than, than yours, but still I was thinking really big questions. I remember mm. I lived mm. next door, my, my neighborhood 
friend uh, he's my age tony and i remember looking outside of my window to his house and i'm yeah. all like is he really does he really have his own mind and he can think the way i'm thinking i'm like mm -hmm. how do i know like i'm not just everybody's just like a character in my mind like i wow. was i was very yeah. like clear that I was able to think, but it was too much for me to think that everybody else could do the same. And it was just weird, you know? So yeah, that was so my you're first thinking projectionism, like yeah. your, your, your conscious consciousness was actually projecting reality. Right. And then yeah. I had to reason them all like, well, if that's true, then how come I don't get everything I want whenever I want to, <laughs> right? Like tough, I would make tough lesson. <laughs> yeah. I would make things a little better for me if I was projecting all of this, you know, but so that was my first existential crisis. I remember my son, my oldest son, who's 13 now, when he was around six, maybe even younger, he might have been like four or five, but he's asking me, I was telling him about my no-no, my dad's dad. If you remember, he's a painter and he goes, where is he? And I'm like, oh, well, well, he died. And he goes, and he goes, oh, why? I'm like, oh, he was 92 years old. And he goes, yeah, but why did he die? And then I told him something. I said, oh, because everybody dies. And he goes, everybody dies. And it just like it shocked him. Mm. And the whole day he's telling me that I need to uh, I need to find a doctor and make sure that I'm healthy and everything. And that was when I first started telling him about heaven. And about God. And, you know, we're in the supermarket and he keeps mm. telling me to get a doctor. And I said, listen, I said that doctors can't make you not die, buddy. I said, everybody's going to die. I said, but you know what? You know, and I, I was telling him about heaven and and all of a sudden, like the, the 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 idea of heaven became alive, even in my own mind right then, because I was, I was like, wow, this is wonderful. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. You know, so that was it. So we all have these existential crises, you know, and yeah so well back to your Mine story wasn't really a crisis <laughs> mine has gone on <laughs> it's ongoing <laughs> it's a part of your overall psyche yeah it's 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 who i am right no an and I existential feel crisis <laughs> right i feel the same way i'm a walking existential crisis but you know and i still I still have my big questions and i still have questions i don't like the answers to and 42. You know, What's that? 42. That's the answer. <laughs> right? Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy anyway. Uh, <laughs> most concise, you know, uh, non-equivocal uh, answer I've ever heard. <laughs> you can't really go, you know, it's 42. Right. right. Anyway. Well, now I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just forget that anybody who's listening and really wants to know the answer, that's not really the answer. <laughs> It's right. just the answer. That we'll have people uh, rattling place. their brains over the mysterious number. So, all right. So let's see. So you were traveling for quite a bit of your childhood mm -hmm. uh, yeah. with Peace Corps, with Army. You have one brother. That's your only sibling, I'm, I'm assuming. Yes. Yeah. He passed away, unfortunately, oh. uh, when he was 33 years old of wow. diabetes. Yeah. Oh, my good goodness. Well, I'm sorry yeah. to hear that. That's very young. Yeah. I miss him every day. So you were, you guys were close then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we were each other's best friends up until, you know, I started getting to be nine, 10 years old. And then I was trying to be cool and 
Mm -hmm. you know, hang with cool people and do cool things, which were all totally not cool. And (laughs) my brother was still innocent and pure. And, and so I, I cut him loose for a couple of years and, uh, then he cut me loose when I wanted back in. Right. And finally we ended up back together again, you know, just as, just as good as ever. It's the, the brotherly way. You know, I've got three boys now, so they hang out all day. They fight all day. And it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's very hard to, uh, to navigate. You know, uh-huh. it's kind of like, well, we got to let brothers be brothers. But at the same time, I got to make sure they don't kill each other. So, <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> killing is not good. No. <laughs> How old are they? 13, 11 and 7. Wow. Yeah. So it has been a little while since we <laughs> Right. They're all uh married with children now, <laughs> No. But uh it, no, it's been it, it has days. been a while. Yeah. I mean, the last time I saw you, I believe, was when I did that show with you at the Solid Rock Church. Right. Yeah, I don't think I was married yet then. So that had to be like I got married in 2003. So that was probably Oh yeah, that, that was that was way before that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Probably a couple of years before that. All right. So how would you describe your magic? Well, everybody's seen some of the classic effects. Well, not everybody, but I'm sure many of your listeners have seen uh the effect of taking these large metal rings mm-hmm. that are, you know, perfectly circular and seamless and make this beautiful chiming sound. And they're completely separate and yet uh, they join together and uh, form different patterns. And this is a, this is an effect. One of the first effects that I ever learned, mm. um, commonly referred to as the Chinese linking rings. And to do a routine where the rings are are sort of just dancing in a beautiful way between your hands and joining together almost like they were just melting together and coming apart and forming these different patterns. To do that is 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 a beautiful thing to me, uh, you know, to watch. But the very motions that they're going through suggests to me something so much deeper and more wonderful than these metal objects passing through one another. It suggests to me individuals who willingly open themselves to join first with their creator and then with others, Hmm. you know, uh, forming now different shapes and ideas um, and expressions that can only be done as part of a body. And that is what's really exciting to me. I love illusions and i i love to do them but if somebody says to me and hey if they do that's okay if they say to me well how did you do that 
then I sort of feel like, well, I didn't quite do my job. Because if I do my job, I'm hoping you're not even thinking about how they came together and drifted apart. I'm hoping you're just thinking, wow, we could do that. People that are seemingly just unable to find any kind of common ground, you know, can actually join together. That's an amazing idea. See, that, that's what I want them to come away with. So you want people to be caught up more in the experience of it than, than the questioning. Yeah. I, the magic is kind of just the form to hang the, the story on or the idea on. Right. You know, it's like if you do a haiku, you, you say, okay, I'm going to have seven lines and certain, I forget the rules of a haiku. Not that I ever even knew them. Actually, so is but it like five, seven, five or seven, five, seven, something like yeah, that? Yeah, something right? like that. They're, they're, the specific number of, mm-hmm. you know, words in a line. And so you, you give yourself that form and you say, okay, what can I do within that form? Mm-hmm. And, and that becomes the medium through which you're communicating your idea. Mathematics. It, you know, is really the same thing. I discovered later on in life because I didn't really have any feeling for mathematics as a younger person. But, you know, uh, for instance, this is something that just occurred to me now, you know, at this late stage, I'm washing the dishes and there's a brush that I'm using to wash the dishes and it's full of soap and I want to get the soap out. So I reach over and I say, oh, no, don't push the soap in the direction you want it to go. It's going to flip back into your face. Right. Go the opposite direction, even though it's not intuitive. And as the bristles spring out, the soap will fly away from you. Mm. And, and this, and all of a sudden, when I saw this, I saw a graph where uh, the tension on the, the, the brush uh, elements, you know, increases and the distance that the soap flies increases and the direction that the graph goes, whether it's negative or positive or, you know, all has to do it. And it's an inverse wave, like a sound wave, you know, the the inverse, uh, like a sound wave, a sine wave is like this, right? And if you, that's what noise canceling headphones are. If you take that sine wave and you flip it over the other way, then it will cancel itself out. Mm. So you're generating the exact waveform, but in an opposite phase. And so it, it, it cancels out the wave. And so there's silence. Yeah. So <laughs> no, no, no. So, it, I mean, it, and I'm, I'm glad you, you said to hang the story on, right? Because that, that's what I always, that's how I always interpreted your magic. I'm like, this is not, excuse me, just, magic like you're you're telling a story so every time i i saw you perform i'm like there's a there's a story involved in here and you said something mm-hmm. that's i i write fiction now i've been writing fiction for for a number of years and one thing it's great when you're writing fiction they tell you there's a guy named john gardner that wrote all this stuff that that uh about you know the art of fiction and he was saying if you do anything to disrupt the dream in the reader's mind you've messed up you know right. so you don't want you want it to just flow so that that there's this projection of a dream going on in their head. And if you do anything to disrupt that dream, 
you're not doing your job. So it kind of sounds like the same thing with how you describe the rings, that if you're doing something to get them off track, to be like, oh, I, I bet they go like this or whatever, then you're, you're kind of not doing your job. That That's what it sounds very similar to. Yeah. To what I'm. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, I was just watching uh, uh, some of the, uh, you know, Marvel comic characters done in live three dimensional reality, mm-hmm. you know, on film, which is just unbelievable. I never thought that I would see that in my lifetime, you know, right. Uh, I, that, that's that just, you can do anything now, right? Anything. I mean, you can literally do anything on screen. If you can imagine it and you can hire the guys and the gals to draw it out, mm-hmm. then you can do it, which can be a problem because when you're, you know, when you can do anything, how long does it take before people catch on? Oh, you can do anything. Okay. So I'm going to sit here and watch these people fighting, you know, over the span of the entire universe in and out of other dimensions. Mm -hmm. uh, And okay. And they'll die and they'll come back to life and it doesn't matter because you can do anything. See, once it gets to that point, then you, you lose something, I think, because there's no, there's no drama. There's no tension, really, mm-hmm. because, you know, anything can happen. So then if your mind starts wandering, going, oh, I wonder how they did that. You know, I wonder how they made um, him morph into that other form that he has, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I, I have, I've got a program on my computer that does that. Oh yeah. You can do this and that, you know? And when they start thinking about the technique, all right. I mean, if you're an artist and that's what you want to do, of course, you're going to look at things, you know, on some level like that. But if, if a person is just watching it and, and thinking about how they're doing it, then there's no, there's no movie. There's just, there's just a whole bunch of special effects. Right. Same thing. Now, talk about your life as a professional magician. How old were you when you first started doing public shows? And were you always so story-based or did that happen later in life? The first time that I performed, really performed publicly, was in uh, my high school uh, auditorium. I um, was doing very badly in social studies and English and anything for which I had to write papers. So for some reason or another, writing has always been very, very difficult for me. Hmm. It seems circuitous. It seems like parabolic. You know, it's not the direct, like, there's the person right there. I'm standing right here. We're here now. I've got to do this thing now, you know? Mm So I wasn't doing well in those things. I, if, if you wanted me to speak about it in class, I could go ahead and do that. But if you want me to write a paper, forget about it. So around this time, I was watching, uh, maybe, maybe at six months before, I'd been watching this television special and this magician took this woman, laid her, uh, hypnotized her, laid her on a table, covered her over with a cloth, and she floated up into the air. He removed everything away from her. And while she was up nine feet in the air or so, eight feet in the air, he pulled the cloth away and she disappeared. And at that very same moment, there was a glass box downstage left. And he went, and they hadn't been out of sight. He went over there. The camera was showing down from the top. 
And he went and he he wrapped on all the six sides of the box of glass and everything. Then he covered it over with the handkerchief and it was sitting up off the the floor. So you could see underneath it. You could see all around it. All of a sudden he whipped away the cloth and the woman was in there like two seconds later. And my mind completely melted down. I was just like, ah, 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 you know, and, and I tried to find out how was this done? And back then, Back then, they didn't have the internet, you know, they didn't have all this stuff, you know. They didn't even have books in the library. So, you know, uh, that had stuff like that in them. And so I was like banging my head. How did this happen? How did this happen? And then I saw some other television show where this uh, where this person did this smaller effect where he he put an orange in a glass and he covered covered it over and it, the glass disappeared with the orange in it. And all of a sudden that connected back to something I had read in one of my books. Hmm. And I went back and looked at that and all of a sudden it just came together and I figured out how to do it. And so I built this apparatus and I presented it for my social studies class as <laughs> a uh, three-dimensional or actually four-dimensional if you include time uh afford well multi-dimensional really because we have to step outside of 3d plus time in order to accomplish some of these things of course and so you know i said and but this is a treatise on how the ancient uh, uh priests in the temples uh would um you know manifest their powers uh <laughs> in order to you know facilitate their religions and so forth and so on and so that was my first performance uh how did it go they were blown away yeah <laughs> i i went from being like this class clown because i would do anything for attention you know i would like i would carry a stack of books up up a you know flight of stairs and you know like trip and fall and my books going all over the i would do anything that, that for really attention. is doing anything for attention <laughs> <laughs> really, really anything for attention. I would, I would stand up and I'd put a blood bag under my shirt, you know, and I'd stab myself with a pencil and say, I can't take it anymore, you know, fall onto the floor. I mean, you know, anything. And, uh, but so people thought I was a clown, you know, plus I had my first band at that time too. And, you know, I was like the front man for the band and, and we did cover tunes of all those songs back then, you know, sunshine of your love, uh, you know, smoke on the mountain. Smoke on the water, smoke on the water. One smoke on, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, deep purple. So we do all those, but I didn't know any of the lyrics even back then. I would just make them up because I figured I want to be creative. You know, I don't want to do their lyrics. You know? so, <laughs> so people just thought I was a clown. But after I did that, people were like, "Whoa, that kid is intense." You know? <laughs> He's something else. <laughs> That young man is something else right here, I tell you. Okay, so you were pretty young when you got started with that. Yeah. And, but you went on to be, like, to do, like, big, pretty big shows, right? Because I remember you telling me, like, you, you, am I mistaken when you, do I remember you telling me, like, you've been to Las Vegas and stuff like that doing shows or, or no? I was in Atlantic City. I had Atlantic, in Atlantic City. City during the the nineties, uh, okay. and uh, you know did some international magic conventions. Toured through Germany with a 
a dream theater uh, mm. for three years. Uh, was in the Caribbean at a, a casino hotel out there, um, you know, doing a headlining bit. And uh, yeah, so you know, we 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 managed to uh, go through China, uh, Japan. We were in North Korea. Uh, I read about that. I'm all like, I'm, I'm like, is that right? That Mundaka went to North Korea. I'm like, that's bananas. <laughs> I'm like, how did you it find is. yourself in North Korea? Well, uh, at that time, uh, in the early '90s, the original dictator uh, was still in power, was still alive, Kim Il Sung. Is that the father of the current one? Yeah. Okay. No, that's the grandfather no. of the current one. Oh, okay. Kim Il Sung, I believe, was 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 his name, and uh, he's the one that was came to power after the Korean War. Mm -hmm. And every springtime, they would have a two week convocation of all of these um, different art artists, circus arts, uh, music, you know, what have you, everything across the board. And they would do this two week arts extravaganza, and they'd call it the Friendship the Spring Friendship Art Festival or something like that. But it was really a two-week-long celebration of his birthday. And for the most part, only communist countries were participating. But somehow or another, uh, they wanted to have uh, some, some people from uh, the United States come out there, you know. And uh, so they, were, uh, they approached some friends of mine that had an, a magic agency they were magicians themselves, but they also created magic and organized magical events. So they came to them and they, they, they were actually looking for jugglers. They weren't looking for magicians, but their word for, they translated jugglers as magic. So they thought they were looking, you know, for magicians. And uh, so my friend said, you know, he wanted to go over and he called me up because uh, he thought that, you know, that my uh, stuff would, would be very interesting to them. And uh, he asked me, would you be interested? And I said, absolutely, you know, because I'm all about culture and, and you know, custom and, and seeing, you know, how people do what they do, where they do it. And, uh, yeah, so we ended up um, going there. They put us up uh, for two weeks out there and we, we did our shows and uh, the rest of the time we toured around and, and that, that that's a whole other conversation. If I start talking about that. <laughs> hey everybody. I just wanted to take the time to let you know about my latest book. It's called Massimo's mirror and other stories. It's my first collection of short stories. The book uses fantasy, science fiction, and fairy tales to create a world where a magical array of protagonists conquer their fears, battle forces of evil, and step up to meet their potential. Suitable for the secular and religious alike, these stories are full of symbolism and quirky characters, including aliens, robots, angels, demons, superheroes, gods, animals, giants, 
monsters, and dragons, and just the right length to hold the attention of children and adults alike, all 50 stories are crafted to entertain and make us see behind the veil of reality and perhaps teach something along the way. The ebook and paperback editions are available on Amazon. You can purchase an autographed copy on my website, storykingbooks.com. Also, if you sign up on Story King Books with your email, you'll get a free copy of my latest PDF resource, Launch Your Podcast Like a Pro. And now back to today's episode. We met in church, Harvest Christian Fellowship in Manhattan, yeah, well yeah. over two decades ago, because, I, I mean, you might have been there from as early as when I... Maybe a little later after I started, I mean, I, I started going when I was eight years old. You know, my dad started bringing me there. So I was, I was basically raised going to that church. And can you walk us through, like, what brought you to faith in Jesus? Were you brought up in any kind of religious environment? You did mention, like, who is Jesus, like, when you were, like, three years old or whatever. So you had a concept of God. So what kind of religious environment were you brought up in? And, and what kind of brought you to faith in Jesus as an adult? Yeah. My parents were not religious. My father did uh, attend church every week. Uh, so I guess you could say that was religious. Uh, he, he had a sort of uh, Baptist background, but he did not speak about his faith at all. And my mother definitely did not have any warmth uh, for God. Um, I think I heard of Jesus from my grandmother, mm. who I loved uh, and who uh, always gave me the impression that that she was in communion with God. That's the only way I can figure that I knew to even ask about Jesus. Okay. And my father took us to church up until the time I was 10 years old maybe 11 years old. Um, and, you know, we did some Christmas plays, you know, I played an angel, but, you know, I was like the devil, you know, with the angel's wings on and all this. I mean, you know, <laughs> right. it just, it, it, it all just went completely over my head. I didn't get it. My parents, wonderful, wonderful people, loved them both dearly, but they, they had some some very deep problems communicating that they didn't manifest, but I could feel it and I would try to bring them together. And I was unsuccessful. This was at seven, eight years old. By nine or 10 years old, the problem had started spilling out into the open and had, you know, become very unpleasant and it grew from there to become just plain bad. And I would go to church and we would stand up and sit down and turn around and sing this hymn. And then we'd walk out and the minister would shake everybody's hand and we'd go home. And everything would be exactly the same. Mm. And I, it just made me very upset. And I said, I, I don't want to do this anymore. And my father, you know, did not try to uh, force me. And he says, well, you know, I'm not going to force you. So, but. I'll be going. So, you know, if you ever want to come, let me know. So at that point, I started uh, really just delving back into everything I had experienced before and new things, you know, uh, Buddhism, Shintoism, um, 
martial arts, uh, magic. And I, I, I mean, you know, like uh, uh, white magic, uh, black magic, pagan. Occult stuff. Type. Yeah. And just really um, seeking God. And it got to a point where I was trying to discipline myself to transcend my attachment to physical reality because I had understood from reading the teachings of Buddha that uh, all unhappiness comes from unfulfilled or adverse, you know, attachment to things of a transitory nature. So I would, you know, people would go swimming and I would sit there on the side really wanting to go swimming, but I'd be in a lotus position, you know, saying I am transcending, you know, my attachment to material reality. I'm not going to go swimming, you know, and I was miserable. Right. And so then, um, in my senior year in high school, I, I sort of flipped the switch to another mode. And, and I said, okay, I tried that. I'm going to try sex, drugs, rock and roll. That did not work out well either. But uh, that's sort of the progression. And, and through this time, I had said, well, I'm going to make up my own thing, you know, because there, there is nothing out there for me. So I'm going to make up my own thing. So I said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take everything that I have, my desire to find God, my desire to see peace and harmony in the world, my desire to bring people together, and I'm going to combine that. By this time, I was doing theater, so I, I, I was playing G, uh, Judas and Jesus Christ Superstar in a regional production of that, and, and again, you know, went completely over my head, but the music was great. I said, I want to do a musical like that. That's that powerful, combining the magic, combining the, all my philosophy, combining the martial arts, everything together into one thing that, you know, will help to bring this new, you know, age upon the earth. Mm. So that's, that's what propelled me to, to doing the shows, to going to New York City, to working on the street, to the nightclubs, to the, you know, stage shows, et cetera, et cetera. So I had gotten to a fairly good level of success. And I was absolutely miserable because my partner at the time and I, uh, here I am doing the story of the rainbow and how this a rainbow of love that exists between the people of the world, you know, but we've cut it in two, uh, you know, because out of fear. But if we desire, we can join it back together as it once was, you know, and create the harmony again. So, so I'm telling stories like this, but meanwhile, off camera or off stage rather, you know, we, we couldn't get along. I couldn't even get along with myself. Uh, you know, things were getting really bad. And at a certain point, everything in my life just blew up. Our relationship blew up. The business blew up for a time. And I was finding myself literally on the floor of my studio, tumbling through the blackness of eternal space, screaming, and no one was hearing me. And I realized everything that this friend of mine had, had been sharing with me over the last five years or so, like, your heart is deceitful and wicked beyond all things. Who can know it? I said, who says that? The Bible says that. Well, I don't believe that. I believe that people are basically good. He says, well, <laughs> that's what the scriptures say. I said, okay, whatever. And then he says, and Jesus is the way and the truth, and the life, and only through him can you be cleansed and forgiven of your sin 
and made right with God. Oh, well, I guess if you want to call Jesus the Christ consciousness, I can agree with that. Yes, you know, like transcending, you know, your evil and allowing yourself to love people by giving your life, you know. No, no, he's a real person and he loves you and he gave his life in your place. Uh, sure. Okay. Sure. Whatever. You know, <laughs> so this is the way it went for like five years. And then like around 1990, 91, somewhere in there, I'm flying out in space and I realize what I thought was love. I thought I was loving the people that I was staying loyal to, despite all of these hardships. But I realized, no, it wasn't really all about love. It was really more about your own insecurity and serving your own self-interests. Had you really loved some people who were hurting you, you would have realized they were hurting and you would have tried to, to help them. Uh, but you didn't want to do that because uh, you, know, you didn't want to interrupt your thing. And so all of a sudden I was confronted, that's just one of many things, uh, uh, with my own hopeless wickedness, <laughs> as the scripture would say. What I thought was good was evil and vice versa. And I said, oh my God. I can't even trust my own heart. It's just like my friend John said. And then I said, Lord Jesus, I don't know if you're out there. I don't know if you can hear me, but okay, I realize that you are the only way, the truth, the hope, the only possibility I have for peace with God and, and life and a future. And, and I said, if you're there, please, please help me. Please come into my life. Please save me. I am lost. And he did. That's the short story. Now, where, where did you meet this friend? Because it seems, it seems interesting that you have this friend to begin with. So where did this John like come from? Did you like go to school with this person? or? No, John, uh, John he just recently passed away. He was, Sorry to hear. Thanks. Uh, he, he was 10 years older than I am. So he would, he'd be 73 now. And uh, he was on a similar path to me, but like a bigger brother, you know, he, he had gone through the, the philosophy, the martial arts, the, the, you know, the arts, and he was very accomplished as a, as a music, uh, as a songwriter, a musician, and a, a, an audio engineer. Hmm. And one, one night in the early 80s, uh, I was on the street down in the, in the village in New York City, uh, performing my show, uh, telling my stories and doing my magic and playing my flute, you know, on the street. And he, he stopped and watched a couple of performances and he came up and he introduced himself. He says, hey, you know, I really dig what you're doing. And I said, thanks. And I said, what, what are you into? And he says, uh, I'm a musician, you know. I said, really, what do you play? Keys. And I record. And I said, oh, really cool. I'm a keyboard player, too. I write music, too. Uh, why don't we come and jam? So, we, you know, that's the way it was back then. So we took the train up to Midtown where I was on Hell's, the edge of Hell's Kitchen. Uh, and we jammed and it was great. Uh, so shortly after that, he brought in another friend of his. Uh, multi-instrumentalist. And he said, let's do a project together. He was teaching at Center for the Media Arts. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we did this project. It was like, you know, our version of, of Sergeant Pepper or something. I mean, it was, it was pretty amazing. And so we were friends from like the early 80s. And then around the mid 80s uh, to the end of the 80s, he started talking about Jesus. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. 
you found something. Okay. And, uh, but then he kept, you know, he wasn't pushy, you know, but he just kept dropping these little seeds, you know, like Jesus is really what it's all about. He is what it's all about. The scriptures are the word of God. You know, he is your hope. He is your future. He is your joy. He loves you. He gave his life for you. Came dropping all of these things. And so in the early 90s, when I got back from Europe and then everything, you know, came to that place in my life, this all came up. And I spent two weeks on a ship going from China to Japan, a, a link from a world cruise. And I'm reading the Bible the whole time. And when, But there were no cell phones. So I couldn't talk to anybody. I was just reading the Bible, praying. I got back and, and he was one of the first people I called. I said, John, I, I believe. I believe in Jesus. He goes, that's awesome. So then, you know, so then, you know, he kept, he kept bringing me along. And then one day, very sneakily, you know, like around 91, 92, somewhere in there, 90, maybe even 90, I don't know. But he came in and he said, hey, let's get together and jam. And then we'll go out for a bite to eat. I said, sure. So he comes to my apartment. We jam. It's great. We go out to eat. And then he goes, hey, you know, I heard there's this church that meets around the corner from here. They, they meet in a, a, a theater, actually. And, uh, you know, it might be cool to check it out. You know, what do you think? And, you know, it was a total setup, but, you yeah. know, <laughs> I forgive you, John. <laughs> I love you forever. So he brings me over to Harvest mm. and they're meeting on 55th Street side. There was this theater stage and, and the whole thing. And uh, so that's how I got to Harvest. And um, for the next couple of months or whatever, you know, I'm sitting way in the back. I got my... Mm -hmm no thing on i'm you know not talking to anybody i'm just checking it all out and i'm realizing there's no hype here the guy doesn't the preacher doesn't know how to wear his microphone you know his shirt's hanging out uh, the, the music the sound needs to be tuned up man they don't really have the sound system sounds terrible and i'm looking at all this stuff and i'm and i'm saying what is the angle here what is the and then i realized there is no angle this is for real these people really love jesus He's real to them. And then he became real to me. And one day he said, uh, the preacher said, you know, um, you know, Jesus publicly went to the cross in shame and humiliation for you. You can come down here for him to applause of your brothers and sisters who will be very happy for you. You know, when, it, when it's time, do that one point it was time and i i was like oh i can't believe i'm doing this but i did i got up out of my chair way in the back of the theater and i walked out and i said yeah and everybody's like yeah <laughs> you know? and, and so then john and i began ministering together he started calling me to you know to do events with my magic and my music and my storytelling uh even though my theology was not solid you know i i still was a very little baby and i still am a very little baby um in comparison you know <laughs> to the lord <laughs> but uh you know he just he just didn't, it facilitated my my faith and then giving me opportunities to serve the lord with what i had so i'm sure that the lord could have found another way to bring me 
to himself. But personally, I just can't see it happening without John. And, you know, it, it's interesting, too, that it, it was based out of a relationship like he wasn't just walking around the streets, uh, passing out tracks to people like he he started out jamming with you and just befriending you with no, uh, no agenda and no agenda. Right. And it took you said it took several years before he even started talking about Jesus. He was very vested in you as as a friend, you know, and I think that's uh, that's an awesome story. Now, one thing that I'm, I'm curious about is I, I want, you know, Penn and Teller. The, yeah. Uh, the, yeah. So wh- who's the bigger guy? Is that Penn? Uh, yeah. Yeah. The quiet Angela, one is Teller, yeah. I think. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, I read a thing about, you know, he, he's an atheist. And I think one of the things he was saying is, is that like because he's a magician, he kind of sees everything as like a trick. And I think that kind of extended over into his religious ideas that it's like a trick. And here you yeah. are, you're, you're a mag- magician. And I'm just wondering mm-hmm. how your newfound faith kind of changed your view of art and magic. You know, there must have been like some heavy transitions of thought and approach. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, see, I was never an atheist. I always felt that there was some personality, some person, some sentient entity, you know, uh, before I came to know God as a person through Jesus. But I was very much invested in the idea that we as human beings were destined to become like God or even merge with God somehow. I didn't have this, this idea that, that there was God who exists without needing this world this universe or us, but wanting us to be free agents and to be brought to the place where we could choose to give ourselves in love to him, which is what he wants, you know, rather than some kind of robotic, artificial intelligent program or something to to bring you along and enable you to be able to know him enough to make that choice. Yeah, I want to be with God. I want to know him more. And Jesus is, as the scriptures say, you know, the exact representation of God to man, the living word of God to us. As he said himself, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So I went from not atheism, but let's say a despair at not being able to connect with God the way I wanted. Because I could see all this evil in the world, and I could see all the evil in myself. And I knew I couldn't overcome either one to somehow, on my own steam, merge with God. When I realized, hey, that, you don't need to worry about that. You were never created to have to figure this whole thing out by yourself. God just wanted to bring you to the place where you would accept his, his, his presence in your life. So once that happened, I began to re-examine everything that I was doing. And all of my stories were about, you know, people coming together in peace and love and making this wonderful paradise on earth and stretching out into the heavens. And once I realized that I couldn't do this on my own, that it was about Jesus, then for a while I, I said, well, 
I can't, I can't do any of my stuff anymore hmm. because it's bogus. It's like a false hope. It's like, uh, you know, some kind of a fairy tale that sounds nice, but it's not going to happen. And that was something that I struggled with a lot. But then I realized it wasn't God who was telling me, don't do your art anymore. That was just me struggling with my own ego, you know, like I was so 150% invested in my life as an artist that I knew that that was my God, hmm. you know, my idol, the thing upon which I based my life was my work. And I knew that was wrong. And I knew that as long as my, my work and my effort was the foundation upon which I built my life, that it would come crumbling down again, that it had to be built on Jesus. But I didn't see the point in doing a magic show about Jesus, you know, because, uh, you know, he's real. And the stuff that he does is more amazing than anything I could ever do, you know, so what's the point? And so for years, I was more focused in musical worship, in learning the scriptures, uh, learning the word of God, which is more amazing than anything. Like the first uh, few lines of the Gospel of John, you know, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, Nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then he says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You know, so I was focused just on that. I'm, I'm like, I don't need to perform this, man. I don't need to write anything. I'm just, this is unbelievable, but it's true. And so that was my focus for years. But my desire to do my, my performance art never went away. And it made me sad, mm. you know, not to be able to, to express myself in that way. And I began to pray about it. And God started showing me, there's nothing wrong with what you were doing. It's the heart with which you were doing it. You see, wanting the rainbow to be uh, restored, wanting the rings to join together, wanting to see the, the spirit of Tico rise from the ashes, that this is the story that I would tell with an origami bird that I would make, a white bird, you know, which flew through the heavens singing a song of a beautiful uh, city of the sun where all could live as one in peace and harmony. But there was one in the islands whose name was Chaitan, a panther, and Chaitan wanted to destroy the beautiful bird for his subjects were hearing this song that he was singing and flying high into the sky with him to become one with the sun. And his fire 
the fire of his anger raged and burned. And I, you know, I eat fire and I blow fire out into this, you know, this stand. And then, and he says, uh, and he says, I will destroy all those who are trying to go with you because they belong to me. They cannot go with you because they are not pure. And Saltico, wanting that none should be destroyed, flew himself into the flames where he was consumed. But three days later, from the smoldering ashes, he rose again, more beautiful than ever before. And the, the real bird flies up out of the fire. And, you know, when I had originally started doing that on the streets of New York, and I was pulling on the myth of the phoenix, you know, so wait, let me, let me just ashes. stop you. You were telling the story before you became a Christian? Yeah. Even with the three days later? <laughs> the three days later, no. You added that part, okay. Yeah, I, I think that just slipped in now. And the panther, Chaitan, did you, yeah. did you name that before? Uh, Chaitan. Chaitan, yeah. it sounds very much like Satan. So that's why I was just, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were telling an almost Christian story, you know, and you know, the myth of the Phoenix too, that there is, you know, th there is a lot of the myths kind of like, they do have that story of right death and resurrection. And resurrection. Right. So, so it's interesting that, that you were kind of able to take what you did and sort of, for lack of a better term, Christianize it. Well, that's that's exactly what I, I wasn't supposed to do. See, okay. for a while, I was trying to fit Jesus into my show. And then because I wanted, I, I wanted to keep making a living. And you can't go talking about Jesus, you know, making a living in Atlantic City Casino Hotel. Right. Or so I thought. <laughs> uh, but anyway, but then he said, no, look, what you need to do is just recognize that this dream of peace and harmony and of Tico giving himself his life for yours and rising again from, from destruction so that you can follow him as he sings his song to the city of the sun. And it's not the city of the S-U-N, it's the city of the sun, S-O-N. And he said, you see, and then, then you know, the Lord sort of uh, opened up other things to me, like C.S. Lewis, uh, who, you know, was a, uh, originally an atheist, and then he became a believer, and he, he was a theologian, a philosopher, Christian philosopher, uh, but he also wrote these uh, fantastic children's fantasy books, uh, one of which was made into a movie, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, mm -hmm. and that's all magic and mythology. But it's a very clear parallel for Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the Lord showed me that and said, you, you want to do fantasy? Do it, man. Have Maybe. fun. Just, just let your heart be right before me, you know? If you want to serve me and be with me and work with me, I'm glad to have you. And so that's when I started looking back and realizing I don't have to stick Jesus back in there. Jesus was always there. Right. You know, well, that's, that's, that's amazing. I've always loved that show. Even while you're, you're, you're going uh, through it again, I'm, 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 
I'm like going through the visuals of the bird. I remember it's an amazing show for if any of the listeners ever see Mundaka performing somewhere, you're going to have to watch that show. But I have another question to provide some, it needs some context. So let me give you the context for the question. But did you personally find resistance in the Christian community when it came to your magic? And I'll, I'll give you the context here. I, I brought a friend from high school to mm. one of your performances mm. at Harvest mm, oh one boy. night. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. It was Harvest one night and you levitated Erica. And, <laughs> which, which I want to do on occasion. <laughs> you know. Which uh, for <laughs> listeners, that, that's uh, Mundaka's wife. So you levitated <laughs> Erica and my friend was convinced you had real supernatural power and he couldn't shake mm. the thought of it being de mm. demonic and i kept trying to tell him no no mundaka is a solid christian it's it's just an illusion but he was mentally stuck so a few years oh, later I invite you to solid rock i'm so sorry no no <laughs> it's, no it's, that bums me out you know it's just like wow i wish i had you know I just wish I had had it more together, you know, to, to it's put not you, though. what it's, I do in context. It, but it's, it's not really you. It, it's, and then a few years later, I brought you to Solid Rock, and my pastor yeah. straight up told me, like, he didn't want you doing the levitation trick. So, you know, have you found a lot of that personally when you're trying to do magic as a Christian where other Christians would associate any form of magic with the occult? What, what, what has your experience been? Yeah, the experience is is very difficult for me because there are translations of the Bible that translate words like pharmakia from the Greek, which mm -hmm. refers to, you know, like drugs or witchcraft, you know, mm -hmm. the use of drugs to manipulate people. Right. You know, there are, are words like that which are translated as magic. Uh, because, you know, some of the first English translations, magic was the word used, and it referred to supernatural powers. But everything that I'm doing is no different, like I said, than if, if you watch, uh, uh, you know, a superhero movie and you see Superman flying through the air. Well, you know, he's not flying through the air. They're spending lots of time and talent and dollars to make it look like that mm -hmm. for the sake of the story. Okay. And that's what I'm doing. Everything that I'm doing. The only thing supernatural about what I'm doing is the involvement of the Holy Spirit of God. You know, if the Holy Spirit is in uh, whatever we're doing at the time, if he has gone before and prepared hearts to be open to be softened to the love of God expressed to us through Jesus Christ. You know, that's supernatural. But levitating a person or apparently levitating a person, what I was doing was not anywhere near as sophisticated as Superman flying in the air. Okay. The problem that I had was as an artist, if I were to get up in front of every performance and say, everything that you see me doing here is nothing but a cheap trick, which is sort of like what Penn and Teller do. We all just do cheap tricks, but then they go and they fool you. And then they say, and we fooled you, didn't we? And that's their whole thing. Everything's a cheap trick and we fooled you. And so pay us our money and be done with it. Well, I can't create that sense, that, that, that suspension of disbelief 
I can't create that moment that we were talking about beforehand of, of not getting in the way of the reader or the viewer of the film or whatever, not, not uh, destroying their fantasy. You know, if I got up before the, the levitation and said, you know, this isn't really happening, this is, you know, then what's the point? You know, the, then you would be left with, oh, so how did you do that anyway? Did you do it like this or did you do it like that? And now I've lost everything because mm -hmm. I, I, I'm not, not interested in doing that. That has zero interest to me. Mm -hmm. So my, my conflict was, how do I preserve the fantasy, the imagination, the wonder, the awe of imagining these possibilities, which incidentally are speaking of things that do exist in certain planes of reality. You can fly in certain uh, forms of consciousness, you know, in your dreams. Many of us have flown in our dreams, you know, who knows what it will be like in uh, the new spiritual bodies that we receive, you know, will we be able to fly? I don't know, you know, hey, but so, or the rings joining together, that speaks of the possibility of people who are operating out of love, not total self-interest to open up and intersect with others, right? That's speaking of something that's really happening. So I'm, I, I, I'm trying to express a spiritual truth through a technical uh, medium, mm -hmm. which in this case is illusion. That's the reason why it has always been difficult for me. How do I do this? You know, and so I, I ended up coming to the place where I would say at the end of, of the performances, I would say, you know, what you've just been watching is, is just a parable, uh, which instead of telling it through uh, drawing two-dimensionally on a piece of paper, I'm drawing it four-dimensionally mm -hmm. through length, width, height, and time, and using perspective, just like the illusion of three dimensions on a two-dimensional page. Mm -hmm. I'm giving you the, the illusion of multi-dimensions on a four-dimensional page. And I say, you know, I don't want to tell you any more about it because then I'd have to kill you. Right. <laughs> but as we said, killing is bad. So, <laughs> uh, you know, but um, so I, 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 and I say, so there is nothing supernatural that you have to be concerned about, except again, if you are receiving the peace in your heart through the knowledge that Jesus is, and he loves you, and he's calling out to you right now. He's saying, come to me. Be with me. I love you. I've given my life for you. And I want you to give your life to me. But only if you want to. I said, if you're feeling anything like that, that's supernatural. That's the Holy Spirit of God talking to you. And that's the only thing supernatural about any of this. So long, long story short, I'm still trying to work that bit out. You know, some, yeah. some people still have problems with it. And that's why... Um, you know, and, and others don't. Others recognize it for what it is. But uh, that's why I sort of minister uh, 
in in different modes. Sometimes it's through preaching from the scriptures. Sometimes it's through teaching in the scriptures. Sometimes it's through music. You know, I I, I tell my musical uh, my journey musically through mm-hmm. you know a series of songs written as my life played out. Uh, and sometimes when I have the opportunity, I do it magically. You know, I I always go over it with the the shepherds who are in, you know, who are rightfully looking out for their, their church, their people, you know, um, and, and do what we can. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I haven't done it very, very often. I kind of um, let it go and focused on the scriptures uh, with a radio broadcast that I did for almost seven years, where I just meditated on the scriptures using other scripture. But Again, all that time I was saying, Lord, boy, I wish I could just take everything that you gave me and just just do it one time right, you know, so that's right with you. It connects with the people, you know, the music, the magic, the storytelling, the dance, you know, all of it, Lord. You know, if there's any way, I'd just like to put it all together and just leave it all there on the table, you know, and, and have it be right. And you know, it's only been recently that the Lord has has given me peace about doing magic, you know, even in a secular way. Mm-hmm. Because, and without without any, you know, uh, specific uh, gospel ministry, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but simply prov- uh, doing it and then just saying, you know, um, this is this is a parable that is about uh, my faith journey and i'd like to stay after and and share with any of you who would like to talk about that right and and, you know i think there's always a tension for the artist and the christian the christian artist you know i've i've always felt that tension too where you're trying to create art and you might have a message in mind, but you also don't want to be so overt with it as to destroy the art in the process. And that's a, that's always a tension, you know? And, and I think, you know, even like you said, even in a secular way, sometimes curiosity is enough. You, you, you perform the show, you don't say anything, but then they're all like, Oh, you know, Hey, you know, I'm also on YouTube or whatever. And that's, you know, then you're, you can preach away and, and people see what you're really about. Yeah, it's a point of contact. Like right. My it's friend a point John of contact. With me. Right. So I want to ask you something. I ask every guest at the end of mm. the interview, and I think uh, you're going to have a fun answer with this one. If you can have any superpower, what would it be and why? Right. You did tell me you were going to ask me this and I forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> If I could have any superpower, what would it be and why? I'd like to be able to come up to somebody and smile and say, Jesus loves you and have them go, wow, yeah. Wow, I totally get it. Oh my God. Oh my God. Jesus loves me. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Yes, brother. Yes, sister. Ha. Uh huh. I think that's what every pastor wishes their job would be. 
<laughs> yeah. Real, real that, straightforward and simple. <laughs> that's his, that's his thing. That's his thing alone. And I, and I get that now, you know, but if you were, I mean, that's a superpower. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, if I had one, yeah, that would be it. Instant transformation. <laughs> <laughs> now you sent me a poem called Particles that I thought was really powerful. I'd love for you to share it today. Are you prepared to do so? I am prepared. All right. Let's do to it. To do so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this poem, I ended up finishing around the same time I found out that my friend John, who led me to the Lord and who was my best, bestest buddy all these years, uh, passed away. Mm. So I thought this was about me, but I think I might have been plugged into some of his last moments too with this. So I just wanted to let that be known. Okay. Particles. Particles of atoms, of molecules, pop, waves breaking out and in to disused vestibules of partially sided houses built atop archaic burial sites beneath derelict and deserted lots bequeathed to whom, for what, and why. They give no answers, just static dancers in the wind across the sky. Some former dwellings thin, belying that within are so very many rooms. Some others swelling wide with only one inside, vast, Kenyonic tombs, foyers with stairs ahead, leading to untold other floors way beyond my head. Endless unseen galleries hung with myriad doors. <laughs> it stuns my tongue. And yours? <laughs> there, to the left. A living room, or a sitting room, or a waiting room. A television soundtrack playing far too loudly for the environment in which it rails, as the images of canned comedic sitcoms flail, hollow, but frighteningly stark in the dark. Illuminated. By the sharply focused light, they look so trite. Flipping by far too smoothly, even for artificially extrapolated reality, losing the musicality of 24 frames a second, where memories are blurred and the future's not yet. So clearly seen on the screen. You can feel it so bad, like a kick in the chest, imploding your solar plexus at the nexus of sequential logic and passion's breast. Having to wait for what seems to come next. Waiting, waiting, waiting for the valet to bring my vehicle up from the levels down below to the ground floor garage, then out into the shop, 
to be worked on, to be fixed, to pass inspection, to be registered. Then might I trek to some other secluded space, unfettered, undocked from this fraught galactic race, transversing along an evanescent graphite line, drawn at right angles through this paper plane, flying perpendicularly to the complacency, piercing the nebulosity of the relativity that most definitely is quite generally, virtually universally accepted unequivocally as the modus operandi of our space and time. I, I know. These marvelous mechanics are building a being fine-tuned and responsive, joyous in interaction, free from all distraction, willingly held in traction by irresistible attraction and the reaction of conviction to the Holy Spirit of God. So to experience the heart, the personality, the consciousness, of the Father, whose eagerness to welcome home the Son who has won the prize. Defies comprehension. And now, this other, a weary, weary wanderer, compelling him to run toward me, even as I continue my best to try to hide my heart, my soul, my body, the spirit of restlessness within me, twisting and turning, contorting and burning along the many forked path that leads to bliss, to oblivion, no, to outer, utter, darkness, where there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. No, no, no. I will go the way that in truth leads to life, not to strife. So simple, so clear, so straightforward, so dear. A two-lane highway. We're crossing the solid dividing line into the oncoming traffic of love, of light, of life. Is no accident. It's legal, even encouraged, if you have the ears to hear. And it's a good thing. A long impending, unfolding clash a sudden, jolting, fusion, crash, intertwining union, smash, a mashup of the living and the dead, resurrected, flash. Ah, ah, ah. Light. Too bright. What's this? Eyesight? Is this right?
can it be that I can see? This is so contrary to the fact that I've died, and yet I'm still alive. <laughs> yes, more alive than ever before, I ventured through the still open door. In this moment of etheric breathlessness, I'm so glad I was here. Breathe. <sighs> oh, the ecstasy within me cries the very first breath on the other side. Pure air rushing its vitality to every cell of this new modality. My regenerated spirit in a sinless, perfect body. My God. My mouth. Voices. An eternal sigh. Finally. The relief of my grief and a joy everlasting, held in the embrace of the genius artist who is grace. I look into the face of mercy, peace, and love. Oh, Lord God, most high above. I humbly, gratefully, lowly bow as you lift me up in a thousand-year <laughs> Though I know the flow that you show somehow, at the moment, despite your bestowment, I'm too tired to keep my hand on the plow. I don't want to look back. I don't want to look ahead. I just want to curl up right here instead and rest in your lap in the peace of your presence. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray, Abba, my soul to keep. If I should die, before I wake, I pray, Jesus, my soul to take. God bless mommy and daddy, my sisters and brothers, just everybody, Lord, you've laid on my heart, and all the others, with the knowledge of you. Holy, 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 holy are you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Son. Thank you, Spirit. We are one. Hosanna. Maranatha. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. That was beautiful, Mundaka. <laughs> it's so much better to hear you say it than than 
just to read it because there's a whole mm. performance element to it that I, I really love. So that was awesome. I'm glad uh, I'm glad you shared it with us. Is there any way for the public to follow you online or even contact you? If yeah, well, uh, thanks to you, actually, uh, you know, I've been putting it. Uh, in the back of my head, uh, putting it into the back burner for years, but I have uh, a Facebook uh, page, Mundaka Lee at Facebook, and I have a YouTube channel, Mundaka Lee uh, at YouTube. And right now, I just have one poem, not this one, another poem that I wrote a couple of years ago as just a placeholder. And, uh, but I started to uh, pull things together. I'm going to be putting up this poem, some others. I'm going to be putting up some music uh, that uh, hopefully will be uh, not too long uh, in the future coming. Um, my musical, you know, testimony of my spiritual journey. And I'm also going to be putting up. Um, on YouTube with links to Facebook, uh, uh, scriptural meditations, uh, you know, the radio program that I did. And I'm going to be doing, um, God willing, some new uh, video YouTube sharing uh, of the gospel in any time now. So, <laughs> so uh, you know, check check back in there. I, I am slow, but... Uh, <laughs> We'll get there, hopefully. And I'm going to make sure that all of your links are in the show notes. So anybody listening to this, you can uh, go to the show notes and see Mundaka's links and just follow along as as he uploads his material and uh, you won't regret it. Mundaka, thank you so much for sharing your story and coming on the Story King podcast today. Thank you, Giancarlo. Love you, man. Love you too, bro. So that was my conversation with Mundaka Lee. All of his links will be in the show notes. Don't forget to check out storykingbooks.com. Also, you can follow us on Instagram. The username is storyking.podcast. I post weekly short stories, writing tips, and quotes from famous authors. You don't want to miss that. And please click like on our Facebook page. We're at facebook.com forward slash storykingpodcast. If you'd like to be a part of what we're doing with this show, please consider becoming a patron. You could choose a monthly membership tier at www.patreon.com forward slash thestoryking. All those links I just mentioned will be in the show notes. One more thing, if you're enjoying this podcast, please do me the favor of sharing the show with your friends and on social media, subscribing to it, and leaving a positive review on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. I would greatly appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Story King Podcast, a show about the art and business of storytelling and living life. Please join us next time. Until then. <laughs>